The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What will you do this year that will matter a hundred years from now? All right, forget a hundred years from now. Maybe you can't even imagine that. Uh, 50 years from now. Maybe that's still too far. What would you do this year that's even gonna be remembered five years from now? I mean, what difference are we gonna make? I know for me, I I struggle with that because I think most of us live short-sighted, me-focused lives. Most of our goals, our plans for achievement, our strategic thinking is focused on what I can accomplish, what I can do, what I can become, and what I can achieve. And somehow we keep I at the focus of our goals. And the reality is what I do for myself may matter very little five years from now, and it certainly won't matter 50 years from now. I know I've got caught in this trap. Uh, A couple years into starting LifeHouse, Um, My family and I, we had sacrificed so much. And I'm not saying that to brag or pat myself on the back. You're gonna hear really quick why I'm sharing this. I mean, we we had invested significantly financially. We had sacrificed to the point where I felt like we had put, you know, physical blood on the battlefield of starting a new church. We had certainly put emotional blood on the battlefield. We had sacrificed our family's well-being. We just felt like we had given everything we had. And at some point, I clicked. I kind of felt like it was time. You know what, God? I've given enough. What am I getting out of this? And we had saved up some money and I kind of felt like, you know what, I've saved up enough for a deposit, for a, for a decent car, not a new car, but at least a better car. And I was out for a jog one day and I'm really wrestling with this. And I, and I was kind of like, I had picked it out. I knew what I wanted. I was gonna get this decent SUV. Finally, I was gonna be a cool pastor with a cool car, not a, not a lame church starter with a really crummy car. And I had this on my mind. I had put all this time and research into it. And, it was, and I really had this mindset of like, God, you owe me. I've earned this. I deserve it. And you can feel that, can't you? Because you, come on, don't throw them, don't leave me out here to dry. You've done that, right? Like you've given, you've, you've served, you've worked hard. And you're kind of like, I'm due. Maybe you haven't gotten your promotion yet and you're like, come on, I'm due. And, you've, and maybe you have, maybe you've worked hard and you've given your best, you put blood on the battlefield and you're not yet where you hope to be. But man, you're gonna give it all you got this year because maybe this is the year where it's gonna click and you're gonna get ahead. Or maybe you've worked hard and you've gotten ahead and you've discovered it didn't feel like you thought it was gonna feel. That promotion, those possessions, Those fashions, gadgets, new toys, they don't give you what you thought they were gonna give you. No, the truth is that euphoria that you hoped you would live with doesn't last. The new car smell fades, the gadgets get out of style, or the clothes get out of style, and the gadgets you know, have to be replaced. We keep striving, we keep fighting, we keep working harder and harder. We get caught in the rat race of focusing on me, and as a result, our lives feel empty. And so, let, let's, take a, 
let's look somewhere else. I want to bring the example of a guy who is still remembered 4,000 years later for how he lived and what he did. Maybe as we go into this year, we can have a really good example of how we can live based on the life of a guy named Abram. Abram allowed his nephew Lot to move with him as he responded to the call of God on his life. God had called him away from his father's land, his father's clan, to move to an unknown territory. When he arrives, he gives Lot, his nephew, permission because the land couldn't contain him. He said, you live wherever you want to live. And so Lot chose the best of the land. And he began to live near the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. But they faced a battle. And several tribal nations attacked this region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where our story is going to pick up. Uh, And so we're going to look in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 4. For 12 years they had been subject to Ketolomir, but in the 13th year they rebelled. So these nation, tribal nations attacked, conquered, and oppressed that region for for 12 years. On the 13th year, those nations said, enough! And, And maybe right now you feel like that. Maybe you feel trapped under the oppression of the economy, or maybe under a boss that's constantly cheating you, or or maybe you're living under the oppression of never feeling like you can get ahead, or maybe you've been living under the oppression of debt, and and it's suffocating you, it's robbing you, and, and we have one of two choices most of the time. This is what we do. We either fight it and we kick into me focus. I'm going to fight for my rights. I'm going to fight for more. I'm going to get ahead and I'm going to climb out of this. And so we fight back and we become very self-centered or we give in and we ally ourselves with our adversaries. We become like the people we hate. We give in and so the abused become abusers. Those who are taken advantage of find someone weaker to take advantage of. And so I would challenge you, if your instinct is to either fight back and focus on me or to pass on the abuse, maybe there's a third option. Abram, when he heard about this rebellion and they went to war and his his nephew Lot was part of the battle and they got decimated. These tribal nations that fought back got devastated and they got taken into captivity. So Abram gathers up his men, his clan, and he goes and he fights against these warring nations and he conquers them. And and verse 16 of Genesis chapter 14 reads, he recovered all of the goods and brought back um, his relative law and his possessions together with the women and the other people. But that's a little bit, you you don't quite get the full uh, picture here. There are five warring tribal nations that attacked and had oppressed these other two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And when Abram attacks them, he conquers all all of the wealth of seven tribal nations. And so under normal battle terms, he gets to keep everything. He can keep all the people. He can keep all of the wealth. And so in this situation, he, is, he, has, be, he has shifted from having a small little clan to having the wealth of seven tribal nations. He has instantly become, in and of his own little clan, an entire very wealthy, powerful nation. He has his own GDP. 
Abraham's family has the wealth of a nation. And so all of a sudden he can focus on himself. It's all about him. It's all about what he wants. But here is the lesson because you and I could fall into the same trap, right? Keep fighting to get ahead. And eventually if, and when we arrive, we can keep it for ourselves and hold on to it for ourselves. And so what is the lesson we learn from Abram? It's this. And this is why he's remembered 4,000 years later. It's because we should follow his example in overflowing generosity. Generosity should overflow in our lives. And doesn't that just sound good? I mean, we want that, don't we? We don't, we don't want to be consumed with consuming. We don't want to be like those other greedy people that cheat others and rip people off. No, we love the idea of leaving a big tip. Doesn't that just sound good? It sounds right. We love the idea of doing something that would matter, to, to do something significant for our lives, to actually make a difference 50 or 100 years from now. Heads up, it's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because you and I are driven by selfishness, whether we like it or want it or not. In fact, it's impossible to fight it. We are selfish and we are self-centered. Even our best efforts to not be selfish are always laced with a secret hope that when we're generous, somebody will affirm us. See, it always, always comes back to me. Look what I did. Look how I served because of sin. Sin is this self-sabotaging spiritual curse. We're cursed. We live in an economy that's cursed. We live among people that are cursed. We live in a nation and a world that is cursed by sin. Sin, which is the internal drive of every one of us, a spiritual disease that stirs up in us, causing us to be selfish, causing us to push away from God, to pursue our own selfish desires. And when we pursue those selfish desires, we wreck ourselves, we hurt others, and we, our life is headed toward an ultimate ruin, not death, forever judgment as the eternal death sentence for a life lived in sin. But that's not how the story ends. Let me bring you back to Abram. Because in this story, you get a glimpse. He wins this battle. And then after the battle, here's what would customarily happen. He, he would gather all of the kings of these tribal nations, maybe his friends, the guys that he helped rescue, and then he would give them their sentence. Here's what I'm gonna do with all of you. And in this moment, something remarkable happens. Verse 18, then Melchizedek, who suddenly shows up on the scene, he's not in the battle, he's not part of a tribal nation, he's part of a heavenly nation. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, the word Salem translates peace. So Melchizedek, the king of peace, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. Here's what happens. Abram goes to battle. He rescues nephew his lot. He conquers these five warring nations. He sets free the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He gathers everybody together in the center of a field. And out of nowhere, this king, Melchizedek, arrives, the king of peace, the king of Salem. And, and he brings as a gift bread and wine. Hmm. 
What does that sound a lot like? Sounds a lot like communion. Before Jesus went to his death, he gathered his closest friends, the disciples, into the upper room where he took bread and he broke and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is the seal of a new relationship between you and God. Melchizedek shows up on the scene of a war, of a battle, walks up to Abram and blesses him and says, I want to give you bread and wine, which is a statement that only God brings the rescue. Only God is redemption. Only God can help us overcome the battles that we face. And he offers the gift of life rather than the death of battle through salvation, which is symbolically illustrated in the bread and the wine. Check this out. Melchizedek is pointing Abram to Jesus. For you and I, how do we overcome this battle of sin? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, he did not come demanding anything of anyone. He didn't say, obey these laws, follow these rules so you can get to heaven. He came and he said, I give my life as the ransom for many. I am giving for you. When Jesus died, he took our sin debt, our eternal death sentence on himself. He absorbed our judgment, our debt, so that when he died, he died once for all, so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, their debt forgiven, wiped clean, guilt and shame removed, and in place are given new and eternal life. Forgiven and given new life. God's spirit enters into our spirit through faith in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, and we receive the wealth of God's uh, love, the wealth of salvation, the generosity of God's grace poured into our life. We receive overflowing generosity, which is how... Melchizedek speaks to Abram. Listen to this, and this is the part I want you to catch. So how do you live? Here here is the key. You live abundantly. Would you take a moment? Would you write that down? Across all of our campuses, would you just take a moment? Maybe type that into your smartphone or your tablet or write that in a program or to study guide. I am invited to live abundantly as as generosity overflows, well, the only way it's gonna overflow is if it first fills me. I have to begin to understand that I can live in the abundance of God. Melchizedek shows up and what he says, what he offers Abram is this gift of bread and wine, the indication that God is salvation. It's God that won the battle. It's God that gives you wealth. It's God that gives you increase. Abram, you have instantly become wealthy beyond your wildest imagination. I want you to know that's from heaven. And then Melchizedek actually says it when he offers the blessing. Here we go, verse 19 and 20. He blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Who delivered the enemies of Abram? God. Who got you that promotion? God. Who rescued you from debt? God. Who, who kept your car running for that 230,000 miles? God. Who kept you from having to buy new shoes for your kids every other week? God. Who has allowed you to continue in that job? God. Who will provide your next job? God. Who prompted that person to send you a check when you didn't know how you were going to get through that next season? God. See, we understand that God gives us the victory. God meets our needs. Everything we have is from God. God. 
And when I get that, I stop saying, I earned this, it's mine, I built this business, I deserve this. I didn't build Lifehouse. I didn't, I offered myself, God gave me breath in my lungs, God gave me wisdom, God gave me the giftness, God empowered, God enabled, God prompted my family to sacrifice. It was God that enabled us to be obedient to him. God has given you everything you have, every dollar, every opportunity, every provision, every car, every friendship from God. And Melchizedek says, praise be to God most high who gave you victory over your enemies. God, we acknowledge our dependence on you. I did not do anything. I didn't deserve anything. I didn't earn anything, God. I simply allowed you to provide through me. You used my hands to provide this meal. That's why it's perfectly acceptable when you pray over a meal. God, we thank you for your provision. Yes, you used my job. Yes, you used that, my, my education. Yes, you used my hard work. But God, it's all from you. And it's all for you. Here, I want to get this. Stop living in lack. Stop believing that you don't have enough. Stop believing that, that, stop having a scarcity mindset. I don't have enough. My job doesn't pay enough. We don't have enough in the bank. Look, you have everything you need and more because God is the gift. God is a giver. God is the gift. Jesus is the greatest gift you could ever receive. And when you know Jesus, you have abundance, the abundance of forgiveness, the abundance of love, the abundance of God's favor on your life. You are not in lack. You are in the overflow of God's blessing, the overflow of God's favor, the overflow of God's forgiveness. Stop thinking lack. Start recognizing that you have abundance in Christ. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care what your paycheck says. I don't care what your debt list says. In Christ, you have and are more than enough. Now, don't go spending like that you would be missing the entire point. Now understand this. God, if he has not given it to me, in his wisdom understands that it is not the right season. So stop complaining about what you don't have and start walking in the contentment of being grateful for what God has already given you, which is more than enough and is overflowing in generosity in your life. Now let's talk about how to live this kind of a life where we walk in abundance. It means that I recognize that it's about God's provision, not my earning potential. It means it's, it's not about stuff. It's about recognizing that God's story is being written through my life. It's not about success, but about my significance in Jesus, which then allows me to understand this. If everything I have comes from God, then everything is for God. Check this out, very next verse. So it says that Melchizedek brought bread and wine, Melchizedek blessed him, pointed the attention to God, then this was the response of Abram. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He comes and he gives him bread and wine and blesses him. And Abram goes, the wealth of five nations he cuts it into pieces. He takes 10% of it and gives it to Melchizedek, this king he just met. 
What's the point? When you live abundantly, the generosity overflows, which means I want to challenge you, live generously. The first way to understand how to live generously is when you believe in Jesus by faith, you understand that I have been blessed by God to bless. I have been forgiven by God to forgive. I have been loved by God to love. I have, God served me, so I serve others. God has lavished his abundance in my life so that his abundance spills over in my life. What fills, spills. So Abram demonstrates this controversial idea, which I don't know why it's so controversial, it should be really obvious. This guy, Abram, spontaneously, for the first time in the story of how God interacts with man, takes 10% of his income, his increase, and gives it back to God. We call that tithing. It's based on the sacrificial, the principle of sacrificial generosity, as modeled by Abram. David, I mean, literally, you can go through all the patriarchs, all into Jesus, who lived in sacrificial generosity, gave his life for us. Abram starts this pattern of tithing, setting aside 10% of your income to God. Not as a law, but as a way to thank God for his faithful provision. So we encourage, we invite people to follow, obey the principle of sacrificial generosity and follow the pattern of tithing, setting aside 10% of your increase to God. How and why? Because I want to say thank you to God. So God, everything I have is from you. And so I'm going to live on 90% and I'm going to give you 10%. And what you do when you say that, or when you respond that way, is you're saying, God, I trust you. Everything is from you and it's for you. Look, if you can't trust God with 10%, don't think you're going to trust God with the rest of it. If you can't trust God with 10% of your income, giving it back to him as a gift, you really think you're going to trust him with your parenting, with your marriage, with your work, with, your, with the future of your life? No, you know what's going to happen? If I'm not willing to give a tithe, I'm probably not going to trust God with that next decision. I'm not going to trust God with my mental well-being, my emotional well-being. It's a sign of my greed that says, no, God, I can't trust you. Look, if you can't trust God with money, you're going to really trust him with your family. You're going to trust him with your, your protection. So here it is. It's a matter of letting go and trusting God. God, I believe that you have what's best for me. Now let's take another step because it doesn't end there. Check this out. Let's keep going. The king of Sodom, this is verse 21, said to Abram. So this is one of the conquered nations that Abram rescues. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and, the, and you keep the goods for yourself. Look, I, I know you have the right to do whatever you want. All I'm asking is you just give me the people of my city back. You can keep all their stuff. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing. Abram understands that everything is from God and for God, so he will not take a dime from Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a city full of wicked people. He says, no, I will not touch this wickedness. I don't want you to take credit for what only God can do. My wealth will come from God. God will provide, and I will give it back to him generously. Do not look to inappropriate, ungodly, unethical means to gain increase. You trust God for your provision, and when you trust God, you will be blessed. God will favor you. God will put his hand on your life. I'm not saying that blessing is always going to express itself through financial abundance. What I do know is that it shifts how we think, shifts how we think. 
so that we stop thinking about how we can get more and we start thinking about how we can give more. Can I challenge you what Abram did? He lived on less, but gave more. Would you be willing to live on less so that you can give more? Would you start thinking, how could I give more in 2018 than I did last year? How can I give more of a percentage of my income? Maybe you even, maybe you lost some income. I'm not saying give more dollars, give more of a percentage. Why? Because Patrick wants it? No, no, no. Let me be very clear. I have learned I don't need to apologize for inviting you to be obedient to God. Why? Because I am simply a mouthpiece of teaching you what the word of God teaches. And what I believe is that God is a generous giver. And if I'm going to become more like Jesus, then I need to become like God and I need to become a generous giver. What better way to give than following the example of the way God gave to us? What better way? than to not only tithe, but to find ways to live on less so I can give more. In fact, as a church, we, we want to invite you this year to participate with us. The one way that we've, we've outlined for you to say, would you give above and beyond? Not just a tithe, but we invite you to be kingdom builders. A kingdom builder is anyone who gives above their tithe. And we're not going to track that, so it's up to you, just for you to, but, but check this out, right? Laura and I have these conversations in our own home. We wrestle with this stuff, but here's what I know. There is no better investment that I can think of or come up with than Kingdom Builders. Literally, what we've done is we've taken every major project, so global missions projects, local outreach projects, and anything that as a church we're doing that's focused on the future impact of the church, and we've put that into basically like a mutual fund. So all those projects, you have it in the Kingdom Builders Guide, or you can even go right now, lifehousekb.com, and you can literally read over all these projects. I'm almost in tears encouraging this because I see the people I've been there. Look, this year we're going to plant a new church in Wyoming. We're going to continue with the church planting effort of launching a church in Olchin, Montenegro. Look, here's why I'm moved to tears because uh, a few years ago with a team, we went to Olchin, Montenegro, about an hour drive from Skodra, Albania. We drove up the road with Pastor Coley, kind of on a whim, like maybe. We got up there and we were touring the, the old part of the city and we stood on the ruins of a church that was destroyed 500 years ago when the Turks in invaded it, devastated the region, brought Islam. And as we're standing on the ruins of that church, God prompted my heart, I want to rebuild my church in this city. And right there I said, Pastor Cole, I believe we need to invest in this city. We need to figure out a way to get a church in this city. Let's start making it happen. And now they've been working for over a year, sending teams up to pray, sending people up to do outreach. We've gone up. We've witnessed to an imam in the city who is open to Jesus. Look, uh, that's maybe why I'm so passionate, because I know where it's going. We're going we're gonna to look at launching another church in, this, in our own like, three-state area. We're looking at launching a new campus of LifeHouse. We have two locations, four campuses, seven services. We're going to launch another location. That alone should make you like want to jump out of your skin. Beyond that, we're going to continue to adopt new blocks in our city. We're going to be adopting more schools. We're going to be doing more with the For Our City effort. We're going to be investing in human and sex trafficking, meaning the rescue of people out out of human trafficking. We're going to be investing in the major organizations that do compassion and humanitarian aid. Look, here's the point. The goal of this is $550,000. And when you hear that number, you're like, there must be some really wealthy people in the church. I mean, I don't know where that money's at. Look, when I wrote the budget up, I thought, I don't know. I don't even know how this is possible. 
Here's the deal. Some of you think that you're gonna, you think somebody else has to be, do it. They're gonna pay the bill because they're the ones that have the money. So I'm invite, I wanna invite a team up real quick. They're gonna give me a quick illustration here and they're gonna help me out. And, and to make the point that you can't, you don't think somebody else should do this. Here's why. C- come here real quick. Tell me your name again real quick. Huh? Maria. Maria, would you guys give it up for Maria? All right, here's, no, 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 all right, right, you're fine. Go ahead, you can put that down. So now Maria brought up one cup. The the point of this one cup is, this is Maria saying, it's all on me. So you're the, your your body, you're the $550,000, this is what we're gonna give away as a church. But you have to do it all yourself, that's your cup. That's what you can give. Now I want you to go ahead and stand on that. Right, and that's how you feel right now. What can I do? I'm gonna be crushed under the weight of any type of effort to give. But that's not the point, check this out. Here's what I want you to see. Now look, we just took these cups out of the cafe. Like this is what you all have in your hand right now. You just have a coffee cup. Those of you at our different campuses, trust me, there's nothing in here. No concrete. All right, go ahead. Now, Maria, would you help me out? You wanna go ahead and would you step up on that one? You give it up, Maria. All right, hold up. Maybe, maybe, go ahead. Maybe, maybe she's like a toothpick. Ashley, come here. Ashley's one of our staff, so. All right, all right. No. You know what? I'll tell you why. Because 550,000 is what we're doing in 2017, but or 2018. But I've got like a multi-million-dollar vision. And I also think I have a multi-million dollar frame. Not, that's not like bragging. I'm just afraid I'm gonna say, and this thing's gonna just get collapsed. But all right, here we go. <laughs> this could really go bad. Hey, woo! All right, here's the deal. Thank you guys. You can leave it there. We're gonna, we're gonna, all right, here's the point, right? Don't think I've got to do it all. You don't have to do it all. You just have to do your part. So here's what I want you to do right now. There's two, th- two ways I want you to respond. When you came in, we gave you a card. Would you go ahead and pull out that card? Before you do anything with this, here's what I want you to do. Right now, I don't want you to give. I want you to receive. What does God want to pour into your life? Maybe you came in and you have not yet taken that step of faith to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God has an overwhelmingly generous gift that he wants to pour into your life. He wants to pour in his love, his forgiveness, his overwhelming grace in your life, and he wants to give you a hope and a future. And if that's where you're at, don't focus on a card, don't focus on those cups. You focus on what God wants to pour into your life. Maybe you've received the gift of God, but you right now, you need to receive fresh faith. You need to receive fresh hope. You need to look ahead to the future and believe that there is a God who can do miracles in your life. Would you pause right now and that, and you make it personal, but maybe you're at a place where you want to be one of those cups and you're saying, I'm not only going to obey God in tithing, but I'm also going to give above and beyond. And I'm willing to take that step of faith. And so right now I'm going to ask you to respond. Would you just pray? What does God want to give you? And how are you willing to receive in order to give? Because we've been given to give. What does the Holy Spirit want to speak to your life? Would you go ahead, just close your eyes for a moment. And if right now your commitment is to say yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to respond and say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you by faith and I want to receive new life 
through you, through the wonder of the gift of your death and the power of your resurrection. In fact, across all of our campuses right now, if that's you, can I encourage you, would you just raise your hands real high? If any of you are, you're saying, I wanna receive that gift of life through Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, that's me. Again, at all of our campuses, if that's where you're at, would you just be willing to raise your hand? For those of you that are raising your hand, we're gonna put a card in your hand. We want you to fill that out as your response. You're gonna let us know that you're making that commitment to Jesus. And now for the, all of us, would you take a moment and say, by faith, God, what would you speak to my heart to give? And here's what I wanna do. Right now, I'm believing that God's gonna to begin to put a stretch goal in your heart. And then when I finish praying, would you open your eyes and would you just fill out this card? But would you hold that card in your hand right now? Jesus, by faith, we trust you. Not that we have to do it all. Frankly, we don't have to do anything. We just have to trust you by faith, take a step of faith and say, God, would your generosity overflow in my life? I trust you to be more than enough. I trust you to meet my needs. I trust you to fill and then spill. So God, would you pour your provision in so you can pour your provision through me? God, I know that everything comes from you and everything is for you. Give me a heart of faith to trust you right now. Jesus name so here's what I want you to do would you fill out this card there's a couple different ways you can do it kingdom builders we're going to take up a you can you can literally put it in with your regular giving you can you can add that extra check you can continue to give digitally in fact we encourage that and you literally just indicate what's your regular giving and then what's kingdom builders so here's what I want you to do when you fill this out would you just pass it down the aisle to the end of your row at all of our campuses would you do that you can once you fill it out just pass it down the row our 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 greeters will be watching so when a new card shows up they'll just walk down pick it up I hope each of you would radically consider taking this step of faith to give. Now, can I encourage you to stand with me? Now, if you're still writing, you write, you keep writing, and then when you're done, you stand up, pass it down the aisle. But I want to invite you to stand with me right now. As we go into worship, here's what we're going to say. We're going to say, God, I believe that you can do miracles again. God, I believe you've done great things. You did it for Abram. You did it for Moses. You did it for David. You did it through Jesus. You did it through Paul. And I believe that you can do it again. God, would you do it again in my life? Would you do it again in my family? Would you do it again in my community? Would you do it again in our city? Would you do it again? And once you fill out those cards, pass them down. And would you join us as we make this song our declaration? Would you join us? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.